Welcome to Massive Late Fee. And now your hosts, Mark and Carol. Well, hello everybody. Welcome back to the biggest episode of Massive Late Fee ever. My name is Mark. With me as always is my... Wife Carol, we did it. <laughs> yeah, we did. Tied the knot finally. How's it going, Carol? Hey, what's up? Not much. It's been a great week here. It is February sixth, nineteen ninety nine, a week before Valentine's Day, and we tied the knot. Episode two hundred and fifty. Can you believe that of our show? Two hundred and fifty episodes, and really. More than double that when you consider all the other things to yeah. do. I mean, like, we're running out of places to store all these tapes. I know. We had to buy a bigger house. <laughs> moved out of the apartment we were in, and now we're in a house. The tapes have their own room. Yeah. They're just piled up there. We're never going to have babies. And, we're just going to have tapes. Memorex and, and Maxwell and <laughs> all the other kinds. All the tapes. Uh, but, so we are now officially married, everybody, and we have... I Mrs. Yeah, we have Mrs. whatever our last name is. <laughs> we have, uh, I have a couple of pieces of news besides the fact that we got married and it's episode 250. We should do something uh, special for episode 300. Episode 300 is going to be like in the, I mean, this is special, obviously, but episode 300 is going to be sometime in the year 2000. Wow, yeah, if the world does not end. Yeah. You know, because there are it's some people. It's the end of the world as we know it. Is it the end of the world for this guy, though, Carol? Uh, a man finds $578,690 and returns all of it. What do you think about this? I think that he is an amazing person. Maybe. And he might be a little stupid. Hiran Patel. Had a chance to be rich after, I guess, rich is, uh, yeah, that's a lot of money. That is a lot of money. Are you kidding me? Had a chance to be rich after he found a canvas bag stuffed with bundles of cash Wednesday night in the middle of a Detroit street. Oh, wow. Instead, he chose to be rich in spirit. Shortly before 10 p.m., Patel picked up the bag containing $578,690, on Selden Street near downtown Detroit, drove it to Dearborn Police Headquarters and turned it in. Patel, a motel developer, so he's already got money, uh. from the Kalamazoo area, <laughs> said he went to the Dearborn uh, because he knew the location of the police department. Patel, 35, wasn't tempted to keep the booty, he said. Quote, I've never taken a dime in my life and wasn't going to start now. End quote. He said Thursday, quote, it wasn't my money. You know what? I wouldn't be tempted to take it either because you find a duffel bag full of cash on the street in Detroit, you're going to die. Like, you don't keep that money. That belongs to somebody bad. Inspector Donald Chalmers of the Detroit Police Department's 13th Woodward Precinct said a call from Total Armored Car Service came in around 11.30 p.m. Wednesday reporting a possible robbery. So... They lost a bag of oh money my God. from the armored truck. And then this guy found it. And they're the luckiest people in the world. Yeah. I mean, that, that their whole job is to not lose money. Yeah, exactly. 
You had one job, guys. A possible robbery because you misplaced your bag. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, Somebody it was, stole it. it. It definitely wasn't a robbery because it wouldn't just be on a street in Detroit if somebody stole it. Right. It, it fell be, off or something. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I feel... Now, do you think in that same situation... Like you said, streets of Detroit. Now, it turns out it's not drug money like I would have thought, too. It's from an armored car. Are you keeping it? No. I think I'm keeping it. You'd keep it even knowing that maybe, like, the mafia is going to come after you or... The Chaldean mafia. That's yeah. that's the, the Detroit mafia. It's not really... It's more Chaldean mafia. Okay. Shout out to the Chaldean mafia. We're, <laughs> we're supporters. What? We... we... <laughs> What are you saying right now? <laughs> but we definitely steal your money. We buy your milk and everything. <laughs> no, I'm saying, I'm just saying. Like, <laughs> if I found out it was Chaldean Mafia money, I'd give it back to him. But With fuck no, the armored truck people. Well, yeah, of course. <laughs> but I seriously, I don't know that I could do. I don't know. That's a really weird situation. Because you find 20 bucks or even like a $100 bill or something on the street. Obviously, you're keeping it. Yeah. You're like, there's no way to know who this is coming from. What amount of money do, could you find where it becomes like, I don't know if I feel right about keeping this. Because $578,000 is probably more than that amount. But yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I really don't know what I'd do. I'd like to say that I would give it back that I would feel morally compulsed to give it back, but I don't know. Again, this has nothing to do with morals. I'd just be afraid of what would happen to me if I kept it. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, if I was guaranteed that nobody was going to come looking for the money, I'd keep it. Well, obvious, the armored truck people would definitely come looking for the money. But they're not going to kill you. No. Although, you, I guess you could get arrested. For theft when they left it on the street? Uh, I mean, like, I don't know. They're, like, I don't know what the laws are on that. That's interesting. If you just find it, can they... I mean, they they certainly could compel you to give it back. Yeah, sure. But is it illegal? Could you get in legal trouble if you found it and didn't turn it in? Do you have a Do you have a legal responsibility as well as a moral responsibility to turn it in? I don't know. Yeah, that's a good question. Any lawyers out there want to weigh in? Uh, late fee, nineteen ninety four at aol.com. Yeah, I don't really know the answers to those questions, but I don't know. I I, I feel like I'll never find a duffel bag no. containing five hundred and seventy eight thousand dollars. So no, I guess I don't have to worry about it. The idiot that worked for the armored truck company who did that does not work there anymore. Yeah, he, I am sure he got fired for sure. That's a once in a lifetime mistake. Once in a lifetime. Uh, but speaking of once in a lifetime, uh, finally the X Files truth will be known. Hmm. Maybe says well, maybe. says maybe. Any any more to share on that there, Mark? The truth will finally be out there. Fans of Fox's The X Files will be happy to know if they can truly believe that six years of alien conspiracy theories are about to be wrapped up. No, the X Files isn't being canceled. That really would be suspicious and demand some sort of investigation. But yes, it appears that agents Scully and Mulder, Gillian Anderson and David Duchovny, are going to, at long last, close their big alien conspiracy case. In a two-part episode to be broadcast Sunday night at 9 and Sunday, February 14th, 
both on Channel 2, that's our local Fox, everyone. The following questions, more or less, will be answered, more or less. What's the deal with extraterrestrial <laughs> life on Earth? Okay, Jerry. I mean, that's what it's, that's how it says, that's how it's written. <laughs> is there or isn't there? I want to know uh, what happened to what happened to Mulder's sister anyway. It's just Jerry Seinfeld asking these questions. <laughs> he's a big he's a big X Files fan. He's sure. just sitting there asking these questions. What's Agent Fowley, Mimi Rogers, hiding from Mulder? What's the Syndicate hiding from the aliens? And who is Cassandra Spender, Victoria Cartwright? And what's her connection to the Syndicate? To be honest, a lot of us forgot. What a lot of those questions were a long time ago. <laughs> that is true. In my cr- case, Chris Carter, X-Files creator slash executive producer, producer, writer, says, there's going to be a lot of stuff explained. You're going to understand this conspiracy after the end of the two-parter. Kind of, sort of, probably, almost definitely, maybe. Hmm. That doesn't necessarily mean that everything's wrapped up and finished. Carter teased during a recent interview session with TV critics of the 1999 Winter Press Tour in Pasadena, California. In fact, he says... There's a lot to do. So, what do you think? Are you intrigued? We're, we're X-Files fans. Yeah, I mean, we should watch it. We we did an episode of the X-Files once yeah. a long time ago. Once upon a time. When we used to do episodes of shows in our main tape. That was uh, the, the one where, like, the guy was like a video game dude or whatever, right? Like, he was good at video games or he was playing video games or something, but he... He was, I don't remember. I remember at the end there was like a a school of people that he got taken to or something. Yeah, I remember nothing. Sorry. There's something about a tornado. He could he could control weather? Yeah, I kind of That's what it was. That. He could control weather, right? He could yeah. make like tornadoes and shit. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be a weird power to have. And they got put in like a jail cell or something where like there's, there was no control to weather. Mm. No fun. Couldn't you blow it out though? Like the door, like oh. know, you know, with the wind, like could you break out? I don't know. <laughs> you just looked at me like I said something dirty, but I didn't. I mean, it sounded dirty. Um. Anyway, my wife. So yes, my husband. You're my wife now. Um. Sounds so professional to say my wife. <laughs> Does it? Stop looking at my wife. <laughs> I didn't kill my wife. Um, <laughs> anyway, so <laughs> um, I thought in in celebration of our marriage and our love, and because we didn't do it last week when we talked about it, we would do massive love <laughs> before we talk about the movie. All right, what let's do you go. think? Leaving home soon. Fun, curly-haired, single white male, sixty plus. 6'2", 200 pounds, loves dancing, biking, cuddling, walking, tremendous heart, looking for new love. What, do you, what does he mean he's leaving home soon? I, I, I don't know. You're finally moving out of your parents' house? Is he dying? He's <laughs> Maybe he's leaving a nursing home soon. <laughs> oh, my god. But goodness. seriously, 60 plus, like his 90-year-old parents are like, it's about time you moved out on your own. Right? This is weird. This is a weird one. What do you think? Leaving home soon. He's married and he's leaving his wife soon. Oh, maybe. I don't know. What about this? Left-handed Polish Catholic. 
Okay. 31, 6 foot, 185 pounds. Kind-hearted, honest, friendly, sincere, hardworking, athletic, and sometimes handsome. <laughs> what? Is he a shapeshifter? <laughs> That's crazy. Sometimes handsome. How, 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 like, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like handsome is, like, always, like, even if you're having, like, a bad day. Oh. You're still handsome. Like, that's a innate thing. Is my handsome always? Of course. You're uh, beautiful. Left-handed Polish Catholic. Yeah, why would you put that in an ad? Like, how important is that to your personality? That you're left-handed? Well, I guess if you're left-handed, it's it's like if you went to Notre Dame. How do you know someone went to Notre Dame? Because they told you? Yeah, exactly. Wait five seconds, I'll tell you. Yeah. Same yeah. thing with left-handed. Yeah. People like to brag about being left-handed because it's why? different. It's okay, but it's it might be different, but it's not really special. Because they're freaks, they're from the devil. <laughs> okay. No offense to our left-handed uh, listeners, but everything with family, lonely, missing a full house in love, we are solution. Petite, educated Russian lady, <laughs> forty plus, son, fifteen, daughter, nineteen. What the fuck? <laughs> What I want to know is, what does everything with family mean at the beginning of it? Like, I think... We're we going to have sex? Everything with family? Ew! Well, Ew! What, is that? what does it mean? Everything with family? Um, I mean, it is kind of weird that she's putting her kids, like, in the ad. She's saying they're, they're a package deal. I mean, I guess, sure, they would be, but, like, she's saying, like, are you lonely? Are you missing a full house? Are you missing the TV show Full House <laughs> and Love? Uh, we are solution. I think everything with family is like her saying we're going to do everything with family and let like. She's saying, "Do you want a ready-made family?" Yeah, but I mean, like English is obviously not her first uh, language. And if you want a ready-made family, do you really want to walk in with son fifteen, daughter nineteen? No. You know, like that's that's pretty advanced family. Yeah. That's not like son four, daughter six, you know, 15, 19. Those are hard ages. Yeah. Well, I mean, and they're kind of done being raised at 19, especially. Yeah, exactly. So. Like the night, the, yeah, the daughter 19, how soon is she going to move out? Exactly. Yeah. That's a different one there. It is. It's a different one. Than the first one we did. You're right. Ha ha. You know what I mean? But it's odd. Yeah, I agree. And I don't think she's getting a lot of bites on that. All right. Uh, shapely, full-figured woman, mid-30s, seeks responsible, employed male who enjoys quiet times for friendship. Possible LTR. No games. What is LTR? That's a good one. That's a good question. LTR. Possible LTR. Long-term relationship. Oh, my God. <laughs> Figured it out. I got it. That's why this one's not that funny, but that's why I saved this one because I didn't know what LTR was. I know. What's up with all the acronyms, people? I know you're trying to save money, but come on. Exactly. Uh, let me move on to the next one, Carol. Okay, unless, okay. You, unless you have something to say about LTRs. I do not. Uh, what is this one that I want to talk about? Uh, <laughs> retired single white lady, 70. Full figured, like swimming movies. Wait, wait, wait. How old is she? 70. How is she putting out an ad in the paper at 70? She also says all calls will be answered. 
Okay. Well, I'm sorry, sweetie, but you're going to be waiting for those Someone dogs. Someone is. Uh, someone's really, uh, really feeling it, I guess. Uh, yeah. I mean, unless they had, like, a special section just for, like, the elderly. I don't, like, maybe the 60-year-old will call the 70-year-old. I don't know. All right. This is the section for people who need hip replacements. Right. After they have sex. <laughs> Uh, cute Rubenesque single female, 39, still seeks funny, strong, loving, okay looking man. Uh-huh. So you don't have to be handsome. Prefer classy gentlemen. Is that you? So she's putting it right out there that her bar is low and she's, that she's still seeing, so she's desperate. She's Rubenesque. What does Rubenesque mean? Uh, like chubby. Okay. Peter Paul Rubens uh, was. A famous painter for painting like uh, kind of full-figured women. So I feel like her ad is like to a very specific audience who would know the word Rubenesque. I mean, yeah. that's not everybody. You could be okay looking. Yeah. I'm okay looking and know the word Rubenesque. <laughs> but you're spoken Should for I now. Reach out? That's true. We're married. So back it off, ladies. I'm married, bitch. He's mine. Um. Anyway, speaking of being married. <laughs> I wonder if uh, if Alicia Silverstone and Brendan Fraser get married. I am sure they do. In this movie, <laughs> blast from the past. What did What did you think of this movie? Oh, interesting. What? <laughs> That's usually what I ask you. <laughs> um, I loved it. Yeah. I loved this movie. I liked it quite a bit. This movie is me and you. What do you mean by that? It's a man. It's a it's a woman that's like hot and uh, of the moment of of the nineties of the new millennium of the dawn of this new millennium, who's you know like aggressive and funny and I'm aggressive and uh, take charge and <laughs> I don't think any of that's me and a man uh, completely out of time. That issue. Then talking about Perry Como. Yeah, yeah. When he was excited about Perry Como, I was thinking that that was you. You're right. Find a wheel and it goes round, round, <laughs> round. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I don't know. This was. I thought this was a really interesting idea for a movie. Did you? Yeah. Did you like it? Yes. So the premise of the movie. Yeah. Is that this uh, super, like, smart and rich guy. Who was played by? I don't know. <laughs> what? I don't know. Christopher Walken? Yes. Okay. What uh, the fuck? <laughs> Just one of the, most, one of the most recognizable people in the world. I've, what a chameleon. Christopher Walken. He had glasses on. Yeah, Christopher Walken. Um, Son. And, I'm telling you. Let me teach you about baseball. And his pregnant wife. He must. Yeah. Played by. Uh. <laughs> I know I should know this. Um. Yeah. Cole Miner's daughter. Cindy Lou Retton? <laughs> <laughs> okay, no. <laughs> so, I think. You cute you, you I think you mixed up Cindy Lou Who with Mary Lou Retton, the nineteen eighties gymnastic Olympic star and the fictional character from the Grinch. 
<laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> but it's not either of those. It's Carrie <laughs> from Carrie. What's her name, though? Pig's blood on her head, and she's all... <laughs> Sissy Spacek. I knew that. Like, I knew it. I just couldn't come up with it. Sissy Spacek yes. and Christopher Walken. The coal miner's daughter. I'm walking around here. Talking about how spam makes them horny or whatever. No, bologna sandwiches, right? Bologna sandwiches. <laughs> I don't remember that line. They're Sissy the, Spacek, they're bologna a, sandwiches make me horny. They're on a radio uh, interview, and then she's just like, oh, yeah, we're eating all this bologna. It makes us so horny. Because like, she doesn't know what horny means. Like, her husband was talking about how eating the sandwiches made them horny, and she, like, you know, she's like 15 or whatever, and she's like, just on the radio, like, yep, yeah, eating bologna makes us so horny. What? It's in the coal miner's daughter. Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay. I don't think I've ever seen it. Oh. I thought you were talking about this movie. I'm like, radio interview? What the fuck? No, that was my favorite. Were you abducted by aliens? It's my favorite scene from a coal miner's daughter. All right. Oh, goodness. Bologna sandwiches. Oh, my God. Oh, okay. So... Sure. <laughs> well, Miner's Daughter. So, Sissy Space. <laughs> I feel like I saw it once a long time ago, but I, I, or at least part of it. I don't know that I've seen the whole movie. Yeah, it's a, it's a good movie actually. Okay. But um, Sissy Space Act. Yeah. Is pregnant. Cindy Cindy Lou Retton or whatever <laughs> you said. And um, he this dude uh, Christopher Walken has built a bomb shelter because it's the Cold War. Yeah, it's 1962, and. The bomb shelters are all the rage. He's an eccentric genius. Yeah. Who, like you said, he was, I think they said, I don't know, they have a party at the beginning where they've invited the entire neighborhood. There's like 75 people. Yeah, there are a lot of people. In, the, in their house in the valley, which is so, I don't know, it's just weird. But, uh, and they're all smoking because it's the 60s. But it's like an exposition party. All the people walk around and they're just giving exposition about these people. Right? They're like, yeah, he was a uh, fucking college professor or whatever. And then he started inventing things that did well and made him a ton of money. And now he's just like an eccentric rich dude. But yeah, he, he built himself a bomb shelter, which is... I mean, amazing. Like, it's mm-hmm. an entire house underneath the ground, basically. With... Fish, he stocked it with fish so that they would always have the fresh fish. So, like, yeah, they can farm fish. And they grow, and stuff, yeah. yeah, and they were growing their own food down there. Yeah. It was amazing. Their own fruits and vegetables with, you know, hydroponic whatever and and artificial light and all that stuff. But. And it's stocked with just, I mean, it, it must have been, even in the 60s, it must have been thousands of dollars worth of canned goods. It was 30 plus year supply. Yeah. Which, I'm sorry, but. I don't think canned goods last 30 plus years. Some of them. Some of them, I guess. I, don't I mean, know. they're shelf stable, you know. I, guess. I don't know how long Dr. Pepper bottles last, but. I mean, they put like dates on these Dr. things. Pepper. It's not like they just put infinity as the best buy. <laughs> I guess that's true. Like, I feel like you're taking a chance. When you're eating canned goods 35 years old. I guess, but you are also being locked in. Like, he had automatic locks. I thought that was weird. Like, okay, so what happens is that they think that the atomic bomb is going to, you know, be sent off. And he sends everybody home. Because Kennedy's, during the 
during the fucking. Uh, by the way, uh, hero of the movie, uh, the his buddy that comes over and he's like, "Hey, Kennedy's going to Toto Toto Khrushchev. You better turn it on." And he turns it on, and you know, Kennedy's all like, uh, "Offensive weapons in the uh, that imprisoned island and uh, era." You know, you know what Kennedy's like. Mm-hmm. So it's the Cuban Missile Crisis. Yeah, so he sends everybody home from the party because they get an update, and he's like, we need to, like, you know, focus on this and be prayerful about it or whatever. Yeah. And then there's a plane that's crashing. and Unrelated. Yeah. The Cuban Missile Crisis. But he hears it, and he they run downstairs. Or no, they're already down there for whatever. They're stocking it. With he, he went down there because he's like, we should stay down here for, like, a week or so. Oh, is that before, what he said? While this, before this crisis... Uh, while this crisis is going on. Okay. And but, he's like, I'll come back up and grab the radio in a minute. So that's to establish that they have no communication with the outside world. So this plane crashes, and so, like, there's this big, you know, boom, and fire even goes down, like, the it, hole. It obliterates their house. Yeah. It crashes directly into their house. If the party had been going on, they would have been killed, all of them. Yeah. They would have been incinerated. So he panics and thinks it was the bomb and locks the door. But it's like he can't unlock the door. It's automatically set to open in 35 years Mm -hmm. because that's how long the radiation is supposed to take to dissipate. They're like prisoners. It's ridiculous. Why would you do that? I mean, he said, as he says, so they're not tempted to leave. Do you think his wife? I think his wife would have left. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Of course, she was miserable. Yeah, I feel I felt bad for her, like especially when when it finally opens up back up, she still didn't go. Not she right still away. Had to stay down there. Not right away. No, yeah. she should have been the first one to get out of there. You think so? Yeah, because she was the one who was miserable. What if it was dangerous? Okay. <laughs> like I don't know. That's just let her that, get killed. That's just that uh, chauvinist chivalry shit. You know, like, they're from the sixties. They didn't. They didn't. They weren't able to. To update with society because society froze around them. Yeah. So I mean, they're watching <clears throat> the honeymooners for God's sake. Um, he the dad like okay. So when the doors finally open, they have a thirty-five-year-old son mm-hmm. who has had nothing but you know exposure to his parents Brendan and been Frazier. taught you know different things by his genius father. Um, so mm-hmm. he's very intelligent and knows how to dance and um, yeah. yeah. Speak French mm-hmm. and Latin. So, I mean, that they did a good job raising him considering the circumstances. Yeah. Um, Dad goes up there and sees what society's like and thinks that these are mutants from uh, radioactive sure. stuff. And he's like, it's not safe up there because there's like a, a hobo like puking in the street or whatever. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, no. Like, have you never seen anything bad in life? Like, No, they're from the 60s and they're white. <laughs> okay. Um, so he's like, we've got to stay down here, Brett. We've got to get more supplies. Mm. And then the wife is like, mm, I want to go up. And he has a fucking heart attack. Yeah. Well, kind of, I guess. I don't know what the fuck it, like, they never address that. That's just kind of left, like, it's, it's an excuse for, to send Adam, their, uh, their, their son, Brendan mm-hmm. Frazier, up to the surface, but it's never really talked about again. Yeah. Uh, so I think he just, like, I don't know, had a panic attack or, like, something. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. But he had bought him all these stocks and bonds. And he's like, but they're worthless now because, you know. society has collapsed. Right. So he sends them up there with baseball cards to sell and with cash. No. If you think. No, 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 no. 
No, honey. Okay, go ahead then. <laughs> Sorry, that was so rude. I love how because I'm not saying want, anything that's wrong. Yeah, you are. Do you want me to? Do you want me to let you give them complete in misinformation? Go ahead, dear. Go ahead. <laughs> he shows him his baseball card collection when he's a child. There's a montage of like him growing up, basically, and there's like a little kid, Brendan Fraser, someone. Some little kid that plays young Brendan Fraser, young Adam. And he shows him his baseball cards as he's describing baseball to him. And he's like, here, you can have these. And he just gives them to him. So they're like a gift and a keepsake from his dad. And just like with the stock things, he's like, well, these are all worthless now or whatever. And he's like, well, can I have them or whatever? He's like, yeah, sure, whatever, you know. And he gives them to him. His mom gives him $3,000. And in cash and says, I hope this is still good up there. I hope they can still, you know, they still use this up there. His plan was not to sell his baseball cards. Like no one ever said to him, hey, sell these baseball cards and get something for them because they thought society had crumbled. His mom gave them, gave him cash and said, we need more supplies. We need stuff for your dad, all this stuff and whatever. Um, Here's money. I hope it's still valuable. Look for something called that used to be called a grocery store, and, and like all this stuff and everything. He sees the sign that says, we buy baseball cards. And he's like, oh, he comes to the logical conclusion of, maybe I can sell these then. Okay. So he takes them as like a keepsake. He doesn't go there to sell them. But he takes them up to the surface with him just for the hell of it then? Yeah, with his stocks and bonds and like his clothes, his few possessions. He takes basically all his few possessions with him. Okay. It's contrived, but I mean, it's, you know, that's the reasoning. So, okay, I don't know why his mom thought money would still be good if they think that the whole thing got blown up and they're starting back over. She thinks there might still be a Holiday Inn and maybe grocery stores and stuff. She's only, she's given him all the information she has. She doesn't know. Yeah, she doesn't know. And a liquor store. And lucky for her, it works out because, again, the world wasn't destroyed. Right. If the world had been destroyed, it, it like, he wouldn't have needed money. He could just... I don't know. Yeah. Beat people up or whatever. And like they, he wouldn't be able to find supplies like what they had down there in the first place. No, probably not. But yeah, he's up there to get supplies. Mm-hmm. So that's the premise <clears throat> of the movie. So he tries to sell his baseball cards, and this guy tries to say the whole like collection of baseball cards is worth what three thousand dollars? Five hundred dollars. Oh, that was it. Wow. $500. He's like, I'll give you $500 in small bills. Because he's an idiot. He comes up there and he's like, you know, I've got all I've got is hundreds and I need smaller bills. So maybe you could give me small bills for these old. Cause these cards are old. They're not new like the, the ones you have in the window. And then Alicia Silverstone's character is in there and she's like, you know, hey, he's ripping you off. Like one of those cards is worth like $4,000. Yeah. So he doesn't sell the cards. No, not to this guy. And she, she gets fired. And she uh, agrees to give him a ride to a Holiday Inn for one of the cards. Rogers Hornsby. And he's weird because he's been in a hole in the ground for like 30 years. So he's weird. <laughs> um, she thinks he's kind of a freak. Mm-hmm. She drops him off and takes his card. But she comes back in the morning because she feels so guilty because she's like, what I did wasn't worth this card. Mm-hmm. And then he hires her mm. to help him sell his baseball cards to get money to buy the supplies. Yep. So that's how they get together. Yep. That's the premise of the movie. <laughs> that's the, the plot of the first half of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, I just feel like we need to establish this shit. Okay. All right. 
Hopefully you've seen the movie, if you're listening to this. What did you like? What didn't you like? I think that um, Alicia Silverstone and Brendan Fraser had really good chemistry. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think the movie was very funny. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of anything I didn't like. I mean, I, I, I liked it all. Yeah, okay. How about you? Uh, I think, I don't, I don't think anybody except Brendan Fraser could make this movie work. Hmm. Like, I, I was thinking about it while we were watching the movie, and I was thinking about what if they put Jim Carrey in this role? No, it wouldn't work. Well, he's too big. What if they put, like, uh, what's his name, um, Ben Stiller in this movie? No, he's too, he's too you know, worldly, like, wise, like, sarcastic, mm-hmm. Gen X, you know, like, you need, you needed someone that has charm, happiness, and a naivete, and he's the only one I can think of, and who's also, you know, a good actor and everything, but he's also, he's the only one I could think of that could pull pull this off. This, this role of Adam Weber needs a very specific type of acting, yeah. a specific type of energy. And I don't know that there's a lot of people out there that could give the same kind of energy to this. Yeah, the innocence that he has. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> there's an innocence combined with like a you know, like a, a confidence too though. Mm-hmm. Like he has, he has a confidence, you know, and everything. When Charm. He, when he says, you know, uh, don't take the Lord's name in vain and, and all this stuff and everything, and he gets, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. It's so I, I think he's fantastic in the movie. Alicia Silverstone's excellent in the movie. Uh, a different type of role than she's played before, except for maybe when she was sixteen in an Aerosmith uh, video, <laughs> I guess, or whatever. But you know, she's that hard-edged girl. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they do a fantastic job together. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things he has her do for him is to find him a wife, which is hilarious. Like, now, first of all, though, he did let her know right away that he he liked her, that pretty, he found her attractive, pretty uh, pr- pretty clearly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and she rejected him mm-hmm. several times. So then, when he starts looking for another woman, then she's all jealous. It's kind of like that's how all women are, though. Yeah, I don't know why. I don't know why, but yeah. As soon as a guy that we're not interested in like somebody else, it's like, wait a minute. <laughs> but you're supposed to like me, though. That's why uh, when I when I started uh, flirting with other women, that's when you wanted to marry me. <laughs> <laughs> I always wanted to marry you. Wow, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, <laughs> what else? Oh, so this movie seems to to take the stance that... Things, family, and things like that were better mm-hmm. in the sixties. Yeah, it definitely. This is definitely <clears throat> a things were better back then kind of kind of movie because Dave Foley from the Kids in the Halls in this movie, and he's very funny too. Also from News Radio, and he's there. He's it's explaining to uh, Eve. Her name is Eve. Adam and Eve. Get it? Mm-hmm. Um. What uh, what Adam was telling him, he's like, yeah, he's like, he says, I'm a gentleman and you're a lady and 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 all this stuff and everything goes through all these these different things, just all these nice ideas and everything. And he says um, that he learned this stuff from the, the weirdest place, his parents. <laughs> and it's like 
it really seems like they're saying like, oh, this is, you know, this past is an idyllic past. Yeah. But he, you know, he, he, one of the first things that happens is he comes upon a black female mail carrier and says, oh, my star's a Negro. (laughs) Oh, that was awful. But he's very nice to her, I guess. And it's like, I don't know. I guess that, I guess his his parents weren't racist or whatever. Yeah. Probably. I mean, that was the acceptable term in the 60s, right? Yeah, it was, yeah. And he, he knew what a black person was. Mm-hmm. So, like, he had to have learned about that. Yeah. Because he would otherwise he wouldn't have known. He wouldn't have known that there were people that didn't look like exactly That's like true. him. Because he's all he knew his entire life was a bomb shelter. He was very excited to meet her, and he shook her hand repeatedly. Yeah. <laughs> The poor lady looks so like. And he was like, "I've never seen anything like you, this little like girl or whatever." Yeah, because he's never seen a child. I mean, he saw, saw television. Yeah. So, but yeah, not not live television though. They somehow recorded the television and were just for thirty five years watching the same episodes yeah. of the shows over and over. Oh. No children on the honeymooners though. Yeah. Just two uh, two couples. I get why his mom drank. I would lose my goddamn mind too. Do you feel that? Do you feel like uh, that Ralph Cramden and Ed Norton, do you feel they ever swapped wives? What are you talking about? On the honeymooners. You no. Think, you think the honeymooners were swapped no. wives? No. Why would you say that? That's awful. It just occurred to me that it's just two two couples yeah. that are friends. That's the entire premise of the show. It's not the 70s, so. Yeah. Maybe if it had been the 70s, it they would have the, swapped wives. It was the 50s, the Dumont Network or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, I um, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I don't really have any negative to things to say about the movie. Yeah. I think that's it. <laughs> I guess. I mean, like, she, uh, yeah, she tries to have him committed because she thinks he's crazy when he finally tells her he came from a bomb shelter. Yeah, I mean, all this, like... All the things that happen in the movie seem motivated by logic and character. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I don't really have a problem with anything that happens in the movie. Yeah. No, it was, I mean, it was just a really good, cute, charming movie. It is. It's not an award winner, but it's, I liked it a lot. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that is our episode. Carol, uh, tell the people things. So, again, you can write us at latefee1994 at AOL.com. Mm-hmm. Check out our website at www.retrolatefee.com. Yes. And share the tapes with your friends. Oh, yes, next time. Bye. Bye.